This is the Kinky Cast. This is an adult, sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years old, please stop the podcast now. This is episode 1 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. In today's episode hosts lay out an introduction to the kinky world. Here's our hosts Woody and the Beast. So Beast, what are we doing here? We are talking about kink. Kink. Kink as in what? Kink has in BDSM, SM, DS, probably some poly through in there. I guess that's definitely the rage today. Okay, what are all those silly letters, B and Ds and Ss and Ms? Well, the S comes before T in the alphabet. Uh, no, uh, SM, sadomasochism. It's a clinical term that is used to discuss people who enjoy receiving and inflicting pain. The Ms, the masochists, enjoy receiving pain, usually with the sexual component. Usually feeds them sexually somehow. Sounds like fun. Uh, it's a good way to spend a Saturday night or a Tuesday. Yeah, and then how about the B's and D's? Well, the B's and D's, bondage and discipline. I've never understood why they lump those two together. I guess because you, if you're being disciplined, you're being bound. But uh, some people enjoy just being tied up. Well, okay, so uh, we can get bound and we can be disciplined. Uh, discipline is an interesting topic. I mean, people revert to their childhood and enjoy being spanked again stood ah. in the corner so spanking's in that category spanking's in that category mm-hmm. and spanking's also in the m and s and ds category Ooh, it's all over the place yes oh speaking of d domination yeah that is the act of controlling another person I mean, people love that oh you're so dominant thank you thank you thank you you know how to win a guy's heart submission uh the opposite of dominant if you have a dominant you must have a submissive some people are dominant. We talk about the alpha males and alpha females in the world. And they're naturally dominant to everybody else, but that doesn't mean everybody submits to them. What does it take to submit to a dominant? It takes a purposeful decision, I think, to mm-hmm. do it safely, sanely, consensually, and ethically, that you have to make a conscious decision to follow that person's lead. The decision might be unconscious, but... There'll come a day if it's an unconscious decision that you'll rebel against your decision, I believe. You're following your, your natural layout of your body. You're following your natural layout. Some people call it the wiring and the programming. The wiring is the way you naturally are. The programming is what society lays on, on top of you mm-hmm. over, the, over the course of your life experiences. If society says that everybody has to be strong and, and take control of their life, but the natural wiring is making them be submissive. How's that work? Well, we see that often, and we see the conflicts that arise from it. Our society, our American society, dictates that men should be strong, confident leaders. And the reality is every male cannot be a, co- a strong, competent leader. We have even more fights and feuds than the Republican Party and the Tea Party has going on right now. So some men are submissive, which is against what our culture tends to believe is a proper role for a man. He has pleasing and caring characteristics that we usually don't associate with the dominance, which is totally wrong. Dominance can be caring and compassionate, but they want to follow somebody else's lead. 
this missive does. In uh, in a mail that's so foreign in our culture. I understand that a lot of very successful captains of industry will take a submissive role in their private life. I think it comes from balance. All the aspects of themselves are seeking to find a balance point, and by going to the opposite extreme, they hope to balance their alpha side that they must exhibit for uh, to pay the bills and to take care of their business. Many of the captains of industry have a deep care for their industry and their companies. And that is just another manifestation of their, what our society would call a submissive side. So they seek balance. And women do the same thing. And as we've seen more women become captains of industry themselves, they are placed in a role that they seek to balance sometimes in their private life by being submissive to their male partners or female partners. So then I guess the other component to uh, dominance and submission would be top and bottom. Top and bottom are terms that are used to describe roles that you consciously assume for the for a finite duration of time. You are a bottom to a top for the explicit purpose of a interaction be it going to dinner and letting them letting the top choose your meal or being the bottom during a spanking scene where you have agreed that you'll let the t- person assuming the top row spank you for a period of time. You keep saying consent. That's an important part of this. Consent is an absolute part. NCSF is working on a consent survey right now. This is a hot-button topic. It's a informed Conscientious decision to do something instead of just following patterns. Nobody can take your consent from you. You can give it up to somebody, but they can't take it from you. It becomes a criminal act when somebody takes something from you without your explicit agreement. In this lifestyle, consent is a pillar of what we do. Consent is an absolute pillar. We have three, safe, sane, and consensual. The... Safe and sane get to be relative terms because it's a subjective term for, for most of us. Driving a car is neither safe nor sane in New York City. People do it every day. It's a necessity of life. Consent is an absolute, though. There's no wiggle room, but we're finding that that's not always the case. That some people decide they will consent to whatever their partner wants, even if it goes over their boundaries. So that means if you have uh, boundaries, then there is a warning sign when you're approaching the boundary. Those are our safe words. Often with times we use the uh, stoplight system, red, yellow, green. Rarely hear green. That means go, go, go. Uh, we hear yellow and red, which means you're approaching those boundaries or you have reached the boundary. And so when you've reached the boundary, what happens? Uh, that is a negotiated occurrence. So for some people, everything stops. That's the end of that particular interaction or scene. For others, that means we take a break and we sit at the stoplight till the light changes to green again and we move on. For some, it's just that the end of the journey has been reached. Some people use a number system also. They do, and that's really good for new people coming in where they will have a number one means you're at the very low end of your 
enjoyment of that sensation and you can enjoy more. Ten being you have reached the maximum that you can enjoy of that sensation. Ooh, you say that backwards. That's interesting. Instead of using pain, you're using enjoyment. Enjoyment. Well, pain can be enjoyable for many people. Any masochist will say that they hate stubbing their toe on a piece of furniture. But they may enjoy having their body beaten with various implements until they're bruised and raw and sore. It's the context of the pain. Now, why would somebody submit to having their body beaten? People argue, and there's a lot of research that is being talked about, but little is being done, about endorphins and the various brain candies that, I say brain candies because they're chemicals that go on in the body that feed our pleasure centers. And for some people, they're wired that pain causes pleasure through purposefully applied sensations stimulate those centers with uh, various impact toys or electrical stimulations or even, in some cases, mental images that we put in the mind or situations that we create that feeds those centers. So the mind is as much a part of this as the body. The mind is the whole point. The body is merely a vessel for collecting the sensations to send to the mind. The mind can exist on its own. The mind can also take what the body's receiving and morph it and trans- transform it into a whole new set of experiences. So the term mindfuck really applies here. Yes. Soft, squishy, gray tissue is not good to fuck, but it's a pleasure to fuck with your own soft, squishy, gray matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Woody, why are you here today? I've been around this lifestyle for over 15 years, and I think it's time that we share some experience. Certainly, you've been around it longer than I have. Uh, How long has it been? Uh, I'm celebrating something like my 20th year soon. Okay. There's a lot of new people coming into the lifestyle that have either done it through uh, reading such as uh, Fifty Shades of Grey or, or some other erotica that has uh, titillated the interest in finding out how one can test a body. Test a body. Explain. If you go back in um, Native American history, you have the rites of passage and you have becoming a man to where you uh, uh, put bones through your skin, you're suspended from trees, these sorts of things. And they're a test of the body to see what you can go through. But... In order for this to work at all, the endorphin rush that comes with it allows you to go to a pain threshold that you didn't even know you could reach. As people start exploring pain thresholds, it allows you to push through a level of pain to the next level. Uh, if you take a runner in a marathon, at some point the pain of the uh, the pounding on the feet and the spine uh, is replaced by an endorphin rush, and, and you, you hear about the term runner's high and that sort of thing. And there are many sports that use the endorphin rush to push people to the next level in a sport. It's exactly the same thing that we're doing in a scene interaction to where there may be flogging or spanking uh, or, or some uh, some other type of uh, uh, bodily beating 
that is uh, bringing people from one level to the next? Well, I think we see those in various cultures, not just the Western Hemisphere, but the Hindus have some rituals, and so do the various primitive cultures throughout the world. In many cases, these have been lost over time in the more civilized cultures, I think. I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. The uh, Native Americans definitely, for us in the Western Hemisphere, have set the benchmark fairly high, and we see the Monsieur Foucault's new modern primitive movement and the new wave of tattooed and pierced and modified flesh that we're seeing in our culture. Fakir was certainly a, a leader in the, the modern primitive movement. One of his uh, books is amazing to show his lifetime as he uh, came through the uh, from the very beginning of body modification and uh, suspensions and, and uh, all, all the like. I think his uh, writings also are a great source of information for those seeking to understand pushing their bodies and their minds to the edge and the benefits that can be obtained for some on those edges in the nature of clarity and fulfillment and happiness. I think we use the term edge there, but a lot of people aren't going to go to that edge. A lot of people are just looking to move out of the center a little bit and find out what is simply around there, whether it be a submissive looking for a spanking, whether it, it being a new top looking to find somebody to spank, maybe some light flogging. And by the way, a, a flogging is very similar to getting a massage. Study flogging, it's just like somebody working your back uh, with their hands with a massage. And so it can be a very uh, great feeling. Uh, matter of fact, one of the massage tools you'll often see per, uh, to, to purchase is a set of rubber balls. Right. That are used to thump your back with, or whatever body parts you want, and that's the same as the flogger, uh, produces the same sensation. But back to the edge. The edge for one person is not the same edge as for another. Uh, your personal edge might be seemingly very tame to you in comparison to somebody else's edge, but it still is your edge in the sensations and the excitement and fulfillment you'll received from exploring your edge may be just as great as someone else's that's much more dramatic. The same exploration for them might be the same edge as for you, even though the edges are radically different in the way we might visually see them. And so that brings you to the kinks that you consider your next step versus the kinks that I consider as my next step. They could be completely different, and there will be things that I simply will not want to do and there'll be things that you don't want to do. And it doesn't invalidate either your kinks or my kinks. They are our kinks, and we have an obligation, I think, as citizens in this culture to respect someone's kinks as being their kinks and not be demeaning or belittling most of the time. I mean, there's certainly social issues that are much more extreme than others. And those kinks like children, for example, that's just not something that, as a culture, we're ready to tolerate at all. But if it involves adults, what's the problem with it? I think the key word there is the, the word consent. A child cannot consent legally to any type of uh, play that we're talking about. And so, by law, they are excluded from this type of play. 
Well, and certainly that is true. Teenagers, they are not known for their impulse control. For that matter, we could argue that many of life's experiences should be limited to people over the age of 30. I agree. Uh, when they are more apt to be able to properly appreciate the experience. But nonetheless, we're humans and we are experiencing from birth until death. Or I hope we are. Some people may stop, but I don't ever intend to stop experiencing new sensations and excitements. A lot of people live their life in the middle in what we call a vanilla world. It lacks additional flavors. It lacks excitement in many cases. But when we're talking about this, we're kind of looking for the edge. We're trying to find out where our limit is and then push a little bit past it this time. And then uh, next time, maybe a little bit further than that. Finding out where the edge is. Our culture definitely pushes us towards political correctness. And political correctness is doing things that are deemed socially acceptable by the majority. And we're talking about our sexuality in many cases. And that is not something we're comfortable in talking with in our culture. So that's, anytime we talk about sex, I think it becomes a non-vanilla issue for most people. Yes, we're definitely exploring our edges. So that takes what we're talking about a bit underground to where people have to explore this, not in the public media, but more in the private side. The the Internet certainly has uh, opened opportunities for people to discover it. Certainly, that's a, and that's a good and bad thing. Many people thrive in this alternative space where it's taboo. That's something that many people are here for, is the taboo nature of what it is that we do, the perceived taboos. That also creates several problems as... Where do you get good information at? There is a wealth of good information out there for the taking, but we have to be wise consumers of that information and make some reasonable decisions on what seems believable and what seems improbable. And the Internet is a great resource. But anybody can publish on the Internet, and so that means anybody can put up information. Vetting the proper information from the people that actually know what they're talking about is the tough one. Yes, and I'm still a firm believer is um, one benchmark, and it's not a re- totally reliable benchmark. Is If it's on paper, it's probably better. If it's from a major publishing house on paper, it's probably even better. If it's a pamphlet published in the back of somebody's garage and a spiral bound at Kinko's, that that becomes a bit more problematic. A bit a bit suspect there. Yes, yes. it does. Um, Greenery Press has been one of the largest publishers of what I would call kinky procedure manuals and what have you for many years. So if you see something from Greenery Press, uh, it's probably a very good piece to work with. Uh, Jay Wiseman's SM101 is there, quite quite a number of other ones. Well, the SNM101 is a required reading, I believe, for anybody that wants to step over from Fifty Shades of Grey into towards their personal edges. The SNM101 is the ultimate primer. It's full of what you would think is common sense, and when you read it, you'll say, oh, I knew that. But were you really able to apply it to this situation? I'll have to say that common sense aren't common to a lot of people. Patrick um, Henry, was he the one that wrote Common Sense originally? We'll have to look it up. Yeah, it's not so common for many people. Again, the Internet is a great resource. We should use it. We should abuse it, and it is abused. FetLife is a wonderful resource for people 
moving from Fifty Shades towards a reality, but it's got to be taken with a grain of salt because there's much dramatic imagery in Fet Life that is what would be considered advanced topics for people. Some of the bondage situations we see in Fet should not be attempted at home by people that have not done their research and had hands-on training with somebody that is experienced. Which is not going to be very easy in many parts of the country. No, it's not, but there are conferences that people can travel to. And it's just a matter of having a really good vacation or having a really work-at-home vacation. Make it a good vacation. One thing I'd like to say is seek others in the lifestyle in person, not necessarily online. Get out, find your local munch out there. It's where people meet at a restaurant. They don't dress funny. They uh, look like uh, every other person on the street. And you can go in, meet them, and find out what's on their kinky mind. Find out what their kinks are and compare them to yours. And sometimes it takes stepping outside of your comfort zone and becoming the lightning rod for your community. There are other kinky people out in your neighborhood. Trust me, there is. And sometimes you may be the one that has to step up and create that much. And it's a non-threatening. It's not about nobody comes to play or spank or they come together and put faces to the uh, digital persona. And you'll be surprised at how much this helps you in making these leaps when you are having real faces instead of just a digital image of a person. What was your experiences with a munch? I started going to munches back around 2000 or so in Los Angeles. I felt a bit like a fish out of water. Even though I had been in the lifestyle uh, out of the country, this was the first English-language-speaking munch I had been to. In the process, I met a lot of people. I met uh, a mentor that I am very close to still today that has taken me from a fairly low level of experience and uh, made me go to classes uh, one after another to really get some knowledge, uh, connected me to people that could... Uh, expand my my kink threshold understand who i was what my what my role was uh, establish my dominance i, I then uh, met people that uh, submitted to me um, i met very good friends that uh, uh, that are tops that are bottoms uh, that we would uh, go out to a club and play together have a great time and the key word here is play this is fun when you're really doing this right it's fun. There's a lot of smiling going on by uh, both sides. A lot of smiling, laughter, camaraderie. People are genuinely connecting with each other in this play. Mine was, I started with play parties, and the munches came later for, uh, in my case, I see the benefit of munches now uh, as a first step for people to come into this play space, as you say. And you were blessed being on one of the coast and having a very old and active community. And my entry was uh, more suburban, rural, and with less defined community. Being on the coast does have its blessings. I was blessed in that uh, I started in the Amsterdam scene, which is extremely kinky, in dealing with uh, the Dutch language there and uh, trying to translate as I go. I did not get the uh, full impact of it until I got to Los Angeles and I could go back to my native language, native language of L.A., which is a little weird. And, and then I also had the uh, experience of the San Francisco kink scene, which is kink central USA. Without a doubt. San Francisco is still 
host of Folsom Street every year, one of the biggest kink festivals in the world. Folsom Street Fair is an absolute carnival of kink, and if anybody can make it out there, uh, typically it is the most amazing thing that you'll ever see in public, on the street, in the great city of San Francisco. It is something else to behold. And uh, look it up online, and you will be amazed. Well, San Francisco, I think, is a case of what happens when the community thinks a lot. And the residents of San Francisco, while there is division, pretty much have adopted a sex-positive culture that we just don't find in other places in the United States, probably. You've used the term sex in this discussion. When you talk about floggings and spankings, I don't necessarily say that's sex or sexual. How does does that apply? Well, in the United States, I think we have a thing about sexual and intimacy go together, and there's not many more intimate acts than flogging somebody. And for many people, besides, it's a sexually arousing act. And some people can actually uh, reach orgasm during this non-sexual, apparently non-sexual contact. Others may not find it orgasmic, but they may find the intimacy that occurs as intense as in a sexual encounter. Being around the uh, scene for a number of years, I've noticed that there are people that draw a, a firewall at sexual intercourse and say that it's purely uh, a physical, whether it's uh, a flogging, spanking, uh, teasing, whatever it is, but it always stops short of sexual intercourse, then there's other people that say it's part of it, that sexual intercourse is part of it. Well, that's the diversity of our community and our nation uh, and our world is there's multitudes of shades of gray. It goes back to the Clinton administration. Is a blowjob sex? We had that debate. I think most people agree blowjobs are, are sex. Is a flogging that causes an orgasm, is that sexual intercourse? Is a flogging that results in physical arousal, is that a sexual act? Is a flogging scene that results in you cuddling with your partner in a emotional connection, is that sexual? Because we usually think in our culture that cuddling and a emotional connection leads is a sexual foreplay leads to a sexual state. And is it if it's led towards a sexual state, is it sex? Regardless of what we think, this is all going to come back to the consent issue. And so if you're setting up a scene and you say no sex, be specific. Meaning no sexual intercourse, no penetration or whatever you are thinking it may be. Maybe there's a blowjob in there, maybe there isn't. But the fact is that lay it out in the negotiation so that you know what you're going to do on this first round. Once you get to know somebody and things start to run a little more uh, free, you have an understanding, you have a trust, then things can uh, go to the next level. I know that the, the people that I play with we don't have defined limits because I can generally read them very well and find out what their body can take. They don't have to use the number system or safe words anymore because they expect me to follow where they're going. It's also interesting on safe words. If a person has gone to what we call subspace, 
the safe words and numbers stop anyway. That's very, very true because uh, the subspace that you're talking about is a form of intoxication for it the is. person. Well, they're high on endorphins. High on endorphins. And if somebody's drunk on alcohol or high on drugs, we do not consider them able to make informed decisions. So you're talking about the negotiation. Those are absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. And so underrated and for people making the transition from Fifty Shades to actually experiencing a living, such an area that they omit. Because even the Fifty Shades, there was no negotiations in Fifty Shades. Right. A male character sweeping the female character off of her feet and there was such a there's such a preconceived notion in our society of that being romantic. Yes, it's romantic when it works. When it doesn't work is tragic. And it does come back to a trust issue. If you have the trust of that person that is sweeping you off the feet, then that all works. But uh, believe me, a newbie getting out there looking for a first scene, do not count on a Fifty Shades type moment. It'll be awkward. It will be conflicted. It will be a struggle. Has most scenes involve some form of of undressing. These are tactile skin-to-skin physical moments. So there's so many things. It's like your first sexual encounter. You know, there's this romantic image of it, but it rarely lives up to the romance. How the true, moment. how true. So let's talk about that first scene. What can we recommend to somebody that is coming into this lifestyle, looking for the first scene? So what do you do, go off to a hotel room? No. No, no, no. Certainly, many people now have probably already had their first scene and didn't even realize it was their first scene. Has they have had an interaction with a lover that has ended in a spanking or something, and they have or, some, or blindfold or a blindfold or silk silk scarves tied into the bed, and they have some ideal, but they when they raid take the leap, they're wanting more. And definitely, they should be seeking this out in, at minimum, a well-attended, diverse private party where there's a lots of variety of people there that can provide some moderation to the event. Then, if it should go too far, that there's some structure there, there's some safety there to help end the scene if it's going too far for their taste. Or better yet, in, in a real club setting, and there are dungeons and play spaces that are devoted to this. Go watch to begin with. In any society, you're best served by watching what others do. And once you have watched what others do, you have an idea of what's appropriate and inappropriate before you put yourself in the interaction. There's a difference between watching and leering. Oh, certainly. But that becomes such a subjective term. Yes, it does. But don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. Guys, we have many eager women out there. That doesn't mean that they want to become the objects of your attention. They have their own fantasies, and you're best served by finding out what they are and helping them live them, if they wish you to help them. And if you're not creepy, and if you're helpful and kind then you get to play. You get to play. And that's where you have to learn that wearing your dom hat doesn't mean it's all about you. It says above my door that I'm a dominant, but it also says that I'm a service dominant. Does that sound like an oxymoron to you? No, no, doesn't at all. You are, I think, service top 
is probably a better term because you enjoy providing from the top side sensations and experiences that your bottoms wish to indulge upon. That's not to say that that isn't that you don't enjoy being in control of the situation. And the whole spectrum is from bottom, from slave to master with dominant sub and tops and bottoms in between. It's a spectrum. And it's a negotiation again. It's having a common language with your partner. You and your partner must be speaking the same language and using the same definitions for the words. So sit, talk, negotiate, understand where you're going. The surprise aspects can be saved for much later and where you want to take them on something of a wild ride. But you can't do that until the trust is there. You can't do that until you know what you're talking about. Um, your first scene, many people's first public scene is a surprise to them. They go to the club and they're swept up in the passion and they have their first scene. Ninety-nine percent of the time, these scenes work out to be wonderful. One percent of the time, they don't. The question is, are you willing to play the odds or not? Life is a series of risk-taking adventures and you have to decide on your risk and how much you're willing to gamble. You could be gambling a lot on your first scene that goes badly. It could totally ruin the rest of this exploration for you. If I were a, a bottom and I was looking for a scene, how about references? Should I ask for a reference? References are wonderful if you know the person the reference is coming from. Remember, this is a largely underground movement. It's not like a Fortune 500 company where you can say, I've got a reference from a vice president at Mega Corporation of America. And that's a, and we all trust that vice president's recommendation for Mega Corporation of America. If you're done your work and you involved yourself in the munches and you start knowing people and you start meeting people, you have developed a trust or not that these people are telling you true. And that means your reference is valid. Just taking a reference off the internet that, oh, I know that person. Well, how do you know that person? Have you played with that person? Have you even actually met that person? References are great. Just be sure that, like anything, use intelligence in validating them. The Munchmaster is a good uh, starting point also. The Munchmaster is always a good starting point because they are running a event that other people are coming to in that community. So there is a certain endorsement of that person by their presence. Uh, that doesn't mean it's absolute always, but there's an endorsement there. In many cities, you'll find uh, specialized munches. First off, you have geographical, and so in a larger city, you'll have one on north, south, east, and west part of town. You'll have uh, some that meet on, in the evenings, some that meet on Sundays. There's Saturday night munches that I know of. They're all over for different types. Uh, there's uh, Specifically, there's a uh, under-35 munch, and there's also an over-35 uh, group that meets, um, that uh, goes out and does different things. And so that way, if you're feeling that you don't want to be with an age group, you know, if you're a, a young person, you don't want to be around old farts, then you can uh, go to this uh, group that uh, locks them out at 35. And uh, the same is true for the older folks where they don't want to be uh, seeing the, the younger, uh, the, the kids as they call them, and so they can go to a, a specific group for them. Within uh, the communities that are, are larger than small-town middle America, you can certainly find some specialized munches out there. And it also helps to 
there are munches literally for special topics such as submissive females. And this is a space that's safe for submissive females to come and network with others of like mind. And this is a greater way to get references upon people that you're talking about another submissive female that may have 10 years of experience and you have none. And she may have some advice about the various partners and uh, that are open to you in the community. When uh, getting references like that, uh, this is not limited to bottoms that are checking out tops. The tops need to also note who they're playing with on the bottom side because uh, there are some that uh, are uh, drama queens and uh, will make your life very interesting, not in a good way. Certainly the tops dominance need to reference their bottoms much more than they are. You get a bottom that is brand new. you got all sorts of potential for drama, dramatic events, misunderstandings, confusion, uh, doubt. It's just behooves the top to do more research than I think we often do on our potential play partners. Well, we have zigzagged down the road of uh, kinky introduction for the, the last period of time here. And what I'd like to say is that uh, if you have any questions or comments on anything you've heard so far, please drop us an email. That's questions at kinkycast.com. Or you can uh, call us at 916-KINKY69. We look forward to uh, getting your questions and so that we can answer them online. And also, if we can't answer them, we are going to bring in experts in the field that can. Between Woody and myself, we have decades of experience, and we have met many people in our far and wide travels across the globe in many cases. And if we don't know the answer or we're not comfortable with the answer, we can find the person that can answer your question and make them available Whereas you may not know who to go to, we can help. You have been listening to episode one of the Kinky Cast. Today we heard our hosts talk about the many directions the show will take in the future. We want to hear from you with your comments or questions. So email us, questions at kinkycast.com, or call and leave a voicemail at 916-KINKY69. If you leave a contact number we will try to reach you to join us on the show. Some listeners want to remain completely anonymous so we have the Bashful tab on our webpage. Just type your message and hit send. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of Woody, the Beast and Cassie my assistant announcer, I'm Max. See you next week, when we hear about safety, negotiation and risks in the scene.